Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. Amen. And what an incredible song that is. And thank you for the music again this morning, and thank you for being here. So many of those songs that you can just shout out. I think of that, um, just that chorus, that little bridge or chorus of the song that was sung, one of the last ones, who can compare, who can compare to you, and so much that is talked about in our society, so many things, and so many different religions, and so many different uh, belief systems that are out there, but really there's none other but the name of Jesus. And so we'll talk about that this morning. And again, thank you for being here. As we started last week, and we talked about spiritual unity last week, and we talked about humility in that, uh, today we're going to continue the topic of spiritual unity, but today we're going to go into um, a different look on that, and that's dealing with the example of humility that was uh, really the greatest example that we've ever been given and that ever will be given, which is Christ as He came to earth to live and to, to walk and talk and breathe amongst men. And, uh, and so we're going to talk about that this morning. We'll be in Philippians chapter number 2. Uh, we come to end of verse number 5, and uh, we had just left the first, obviously the first four verses of chapter number 2 where Paul is writing and he's, he's talking and he's exhorting and he's telling the people to do certain things. And, and we come to verse number 5 where, where it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And, and we really start to look at what he goes from kind of telling them what to, how to do it and how to act and some of those kind of what to do's. And then he goes from that and he begins to give an example of what that looks like. And so we come here to, to verse number 5, and, and I'm going to ask this question this morning, and, and it's this question. What does Christ's example of humility look like for you and me? We look at this, and I don't know about you, I've shared with you, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture, but we look at this passage of Scripture, and oftentimes we, you and I, we may read it, and you may look at it differently than I look at it, I don't know, but we look at it and we think, Man, I, I can't leave heaven to come to earth. I'm not giving my life to go on a cross and then to, to raise again and come back. I'm not anyone's savior. So what does all of this example mean for you and for me? This passage of scripture is probably, and I will challenge you and I would encourage you, we are going through the book of Philippians. I would encourage you to, one, go along with me in your own private time and in your own study at home, but go back through this week and read through this passage of Scripture. This is one of the most humbling. This is one of the most convicting. This is one of those sermons, or not sermons, but passages of Scripture that really can, if you allow it, God will just rip you out. He'll just tear you up. Because what we see today encompasses in a few verses of Scripture, almost in a nutshell, God's entire life on earth. Christ coming as the incarnate Messiah, 
to be the Savior of the world, living a perfect, sinless life, to take upon himself the sin of all mankind, to take upon himself the beating and the the punishment and, and to go to the cross, to die, to be raised again. And in these few verses, we'll see really all of that in a nutshell this morning. The incarnation of Christ, the central miracle of Christianity. One of the most wonderful and grand of all things that God has done. We will be discussing that this morning. The miracle that God sent His only Son. That He left heaven, that He left majesty, that He left perfection, that He left glory to come to earth. To take on human form, to take on the life that you and I live in this dark and sin-filled earth. And Paul writes... And he's writing the letter back to the church, back to the church at Philippi to encourage them, to motivate them that you and I, that he was saying to them, hey, it is our job to have this same humility in our lives. And this morning, I'm going to do the best that I can to answer that question of what exactly does that humility, what does that look like for you and for me? As we look at that last week, we talked of humility, we talked of the unity of of the spiritual unity and humility, and and really as we go through this, the attitude that was encouraged last week through verses 2 and 4, or 2 through 4, to fulfill my joy, to be like-minded, to have the same love, to be one accord of one mind, to to not be full of of strife or vainglory, but to be low of mind, and, and to esteem each other, that mind right there. That's the mind of humility that we are supposed to put on. And then we see the revelation of Jesus Christ coming to give us an example of how we are to live. An example of self-denial. An example of self-giving, of self-sacrifice, of selfless love, of just plain out being selfless with the goal of being unified together. That we as believers would be unified. That a church would be unified. With only one way that we can is to have that mind that we talked about last week, that we're going to watch and look at and read about this week, the example that Christ set out for us. We're to go, and I don't believe this is on the screen, but in 1 John chapter number 2, it says, He that saith he abideth in him ought, also, ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. You're like, well, what does all that mean? He, if I'm telling you that I abide in Christ and I live my life with Christ and I also, I should walk as he walked, what does that look like? Well, that looks like the example that Christ gave us. That looks like what we're going to talk about today. And I say that, I share that verse for that reason, that that he gave us the example, not so that we could tell people, hey, look what Jesus did, look what Jesus did, look what Jesus did, but that I could walk as that example, and I could then show others who Christ is, because I am now that example for others. We shared that before. The only light that is on the world proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ is you and I. When he left, he said, now you go 
You go and make disciples. You go and baptize. You go and do those things. And you are now the light. You and I are now the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What does that look like? That looks like I am to put on this, what we're talking about this morning, what we talked about last week, what we talked about with being spiritually united moving forward for the cause of Christ. We must take on that humility. There is so much we can look throughout Scripture, but let me just take you briefly, and I'm not going to go to the passage, but let's think of Christ and His humility. We'll get to this passage of Scripture in just a moment, but let's, let's look at the example that Christ set for us. If we go back, the disciples sitting around a table. The disciples coming in and Jesus walks into the room and looks around and Jesus notices that nobody has, no one's feet had been washed. Nothing had taken place. There wasn't a, a servant, a slave to be at the door to, to wash the disciples' feet, to clean their feet as they came to sit down to eat dinner. And Jesus takes a rag and he girds himself with the rag and he grabs a basin and he fills it with water and he walks to each one of those disciples and he gets on his knees and, and he picks up their feet. I don't know if he put it on his knee or on his thigh or he just picked it up, but he begins to wash those disciples' feet. He gave them an example of what they were to be to each other and to the rest of the world. We are to serve. That position was for the lowest of the lows in the, in the time and at that place, and that was for just a lowly servant or a lowly slave at that time was to be that one. And, and you know the story, and I don't need to go into the detail. But Jesus gave them an example, and at the end of it, he said what? He basically said that, now do as I have done. Be the servant, be a slave to others. He gave them an example. A demonstration of humility exemplifies beyond explanation the humility of our Savior. He was so humble that those he came to save even hated him didn't want to acknowledge his deity. No master, no ruler would ever have come into this world with the humility that Christ did. They came expecting. King Nebuchadnezzar did what? He, he created a rule that you would come and bow to him, and then he created a statue that you would bow to him, and when they didn't do it, what happened? He threw the three into the fiery furnace, and he was to light them on fire. Why? Because he was the ruler, and you would bow to him. Jesus came as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he bowed to them. He served them. He didn't expect humility. This morning, we will get into this. What does that mean for you and for me? In our day and age, we look for leaders who have number letters behind their name. In Christ's day and age, he looked for men who were of no regard. Jesus being the, the Lord, he was, he was the Messiah. He came and 
And he looked not for men that were already in high, high positions. He didn't look for, for those that were sitting in the, in the, on the throne already. He didn't look. He, he went and he found, what did he find? He found a fisher or a fisherman. He went and he found some lowly people that would, would serve others. And he taught them and he showed them and he, he served them. And he humbled himself to, to, to teach them. Today we look at and we want to find the guy that's the most prestigious, the, the best looking, the, most, uh, the best orator, the best of all of these things. And Jesus came and he said, no, I'm going to use you. And he grabbed him. And I'm going to use you. And he kind of took the, the most common of common, some of them the, lower of the, the lowest of the lows. And, and he said, what, well, I'm going to come and I'm going to serve you, that you would then follow my lead and you would serve others. What does this mean for you and for me this morning? If you would grab your Bibles, if you're not already there, and go to Philippians chapter number 2. We're going to start and we're going to go through verse by verse this morning. Chapter number 2, verses 5 through 11. And we're going to kind of dissect a little bit with a couple points this morning. Of what this actually means for you and for me. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse number 5, if you would read along with me, and then we'll pray and get to the points this morning. Verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for the name of Jesus that we could sing about just a few moments ago. There is something about that name. Father, I thank you that we can read about your name, that we can read and learn. I thank you, God, that you gave us an example to follow. God, I ask this morning that as we look at that question, what does this mean for us? We're not perfect we didn't leave perfection to, be, to, to come and to serve. We didn't, we didn't have all of those things. But God, what does it mean for me? What is the example that's set and how can I fulfill that in my life? I pray that you would speak through your word this morning. In Jesus' name that I pray, amen. What does it mean for you and I? The first point this morning as we jump right into this is we become of no reputation. We become of no reputation. If we get into this, let this mind be which in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Again, this mind being that, that we would fulfill the joy, that we would be like-minded, so on and so forth, that we would be humbled before him. It says in 6, Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Jesus Christ came 
in the form of God. He existed before, during, and after his incarnation as God. He is meaning that he continued in his previous state or of his previous existence. So he was God. He came as God, leaving the glory of heaven. He was in the form or the existence and was equal with God, but yet thought it not robbery. He, d- he didn't look for those things, it says in verse 7, but he made himself of no reputation. As we continue to go through it, in Colossians, he, it says, we even sang this song, he was the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. In John chapter 1 and verses 1 and 2, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. In verse number 14, he goes on to say that, that, that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This God became man, was yet still God. But as we look at it, as we continue to go through this morning, and we we take a look at what this means for us, he became of no reputation. When God became a man, he did not and could not cease to be God. For as God, he was eternal. He was uncreated. He was self-existing creator of the universe, the one whom angels worshipped. Yet he left heaven, making himself of no reputation. Think about that. He left perfection to come to imperfection. He left a place where he was worshipped as mighty and, and the angels would bow to him in worship. And he came to a place where his own received him not. The thing that I find most humbling about this passage of scripture is it says, but made himself of no reputation. He didn't come to earth and get humiliated to where his reputation was tarnished. He came and made himself of no reputation. He didn't come to earth and be humbled by man. He came and humbled himself before men. He didn't come to earth and a group of men arrested him in the midst of the garden. No, he came and when he saw them, he asked, who are you seeking? And he gave himself. He didn't come and was beaten and and thrown on a cross. No, he gave himself and allowed himself to be beaten and put himself on the cross. He made himself of no reputation. That's an extremely, extremely important thing to think of and to know. Because here's what happens to you and I. We get humbled. We are at times where our reputation becomes tarnished. But we don't make ourselves humbled too often. We don't put ourselves in that spot. He left glory to make himself of no reputation. What does that mean for you and I? I'll say this, that God intended that you and I would empty ourselves. 
When we look at that, make he made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a servant. He came, what that literally means is he came and emptied himself to be of no reputation. He emptied himself. If I look at that and I think through that and I think of what does this mean to me? How does God coming to earth, how does Christ coming to live and to walk and to talk and to, to show me an example? What did he, the first thing that he did is he gave himself. He emptied himself of all that he was, all that he said that he, all of that. He emptied himself. You know what? One of the hardest things for us to do is to empty ourselves and to say, you know what? I am nothing how can i be how can i serve you i am of nothing man i want to have a great reputation i want people to think of of man look at him and and we we try to elevate ourselves and we try to do all of these things everything we do we got to climb the ladder climb the ladder look at the position that i hold i'm the president of the corporation i'm the ceo of the corporation i hold this position i hold that position jesus christ said i came and i emptied myself and gave everything to be of no reputation, we do it all backwards. Because I got to climb the rung. I did this last week. I tried to stand up here. I got to get up as high as I can and fall back down. But I got to balance myself. I got to get up. And I got to make sure that everybody can see who I am. And if there was another one, I would try to do that. And then I'd really fall. And then you would all be calling 911. But what do we do? We've got to elevate ourselves. We try so hard. Hey, what can this mean to you and me? Here's what it means to you and me. Empty myself. Do you want to serve the person beside you? Do you want to love God more than anything? Do you want to give of yourself? Here's what it is then. Empty. God, I'm I'm. I'm emptying me so that I can be humble before you. So that I can give of all that I have. That I can become of no reputation. He emptied himself of the divine authority given to him in heaven. He emptied himself of acting on all of his uh, divine attributes. He emptied himself of his divine riches, of his unique, intimate, face-to-face relationship with his father. I get that I don't have perfection and I don't have those things that God emptied himself of, the the divine side of things and all that. I get that. But the principle behind the example that was set before us was to empty everything and say, God, here I am. Church, it is my desire that we would grow spiritually that we would come to know him, that you would have a walk with God, that we would all just be serving Jesus and and loving God and doing all those things, but it only happens as we completely empty ourselves of who we are and the pride and the things that we think we have. So we first become of no reputation. As we continue in verse 7, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Being found made in fashion, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Point one was that we become of no reputation. The second point this morning is that we become a servant. 
We become a servant. I'm not giving you anything that you've never heard before this morning. But God came to serve. He came in the form of a servant. Let's look at that. He came to be the slave of others. To show an example of service, he took on the form or the the essence or the nature of a bond servant. Let me share with you what a bond servant is. A bond servant owned nothing. Not the clothes on his back. Everything that he had was his slaves, including his life. That's what Jesus came as. The form of a bond servant. Jesus did not own his clothes. He did not own land. He did not own a house. He did not have gold. He did not have a business. He did not have a boat. He did not have a horse. He did not have donkey. He did not have anything. He borrowed a donkey. He borrowed God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, borrowed a donkey to walk in on his triumphal entry. He went to his last supper and he borrowed a house. He emptied himself of everything. And he told the disciples, hey, if you go here, there'll be a a donkey sitting. You go and they'll let you take it. And you come and we'll go. Hey, go to this place and you go up here and they're going to ask you what you need and you're going to tell them you need a room. And he borrowed that. He owned nothing. This is the God who, who... spoke this into existence, yet he has nothing. He became a slave. He became a servant. He took upon the form of a servant. The one who was in the beginning with God one who spoke the creation into existence, yet claimed nothing he created as his own. Instead, he came and carried the burden that no other man could carry. He took on salvation. He took on the punishment for all mankind. In Matthew 10, he spoke of a disciple not being above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. In John 13, if I, if I then the Lord and the teacher washed your feet, ye also ought to wash others' feet. I gave you an example. He set out the greatest example of service, of being a slave that we could ever imagine. We talk of those things, and it's in our culture and the different things that we talk of of slave, but when we look at this and we think of this, this wasn't a God who just came and said, you know, well, Hey, I'm going to be born into a mansion and I'm going, to, I'm going to let you come and serve. No, he came and he said, I am the lowest of the low. I was born in a manger. He created everything and he came to be born in a manger. And I think that I have some type of special power that God needs me. We hold ourselves at this high position that God, what would you do without me? He said, here I am. Hey, I'm going to empty everything that I have to serve you. He emptied everything to serve me. And I think I'm special. No. 
You know what this means to me? You know what this means to you and I? When we look at the question that was asked at the beginning, what does it mean for us? I know that I can be, I can do better at being of no reputation. I can do better at trying not to to make sure that you know who Aaron Flanagan is. I can be better at emptying myself every single day in my home. I can be better by emptying myself to be a better dad. I can be better by emptying myself to be a better leader and pastor to you. To be better to serve people in the community. I can be better to say, you know what, I... I'm really nothing, God. Here I am. You came and emptied yourself of everything to be the slave for us. To serve us. Man, what better example than that? The next point is that we can become obedient. What does this mean to us? What does it mean to you and to me? What does it mean as we go about our Christian lives that that God gave us an example? It means that, that I can become obedient. I don't know where you stand. I don't know your life. I don't know how home goes for you. But I try to teach my kids that there's right and there's wrong. And I try to teach my kids the best that I can to be obedient to mom and to dad. And when they don't, I throw them up the stairs against... No, I'm just kidding. But what do we do? We give them a... There's a punishment for being disobedient, in my home anyways. And it started when they were wee little. I didn't wait till they were two because they didn't understand. No, I told you the story. They understand really young. And they play us a fiddle far more than we ever really understand that they played us a fiddle. If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. But I teach my kids to be obedient. And you know what? There are times where my kids will do something and I will say, listen, yeah, you hurt dad's feelings. Or not dad's, I don't say that, but you you did wrong. You made a mistake and because of that you punished. But who do you really, who are you being disobedient to? And I try to teach them to understand that you're not just disobeying dad, you're disobeying God. You're, you're disobeying him. And then there's other times where they are to be obedient to me. I'm to be obedient to him and how I respond to them. And I have to say, listen, Riley, or listen, Madison, dad was wrong. I am sorry for that. Please forgive me because I was disobedient to him and how I responded to you. I don't ever have to as a dad, let them know that I am to be obedient to somebody like they are to be obedient to me. Does that make sense? Here's what God did. He sent his son, and he was what? He was obedient in all things to his father. And the reality was, he didn't have to. He didn't have to come. He did so out of obedience. I don't know if that's a bad illustration of me as a dad, but Jesus Christ came and was obedient 
you know what, if I want to be obedient, or if I want to have a spiritual unity as an individual with my wife, or if I want to have spiritual unity within our church, and as we do this to strive together to have spiritual unity, we have to be obedient. Why was Christ able to go to the cross and do and see the things that Christ saw? Because he was obedient to his Father. He was obedient. God has called us to be obedient. His desire is that we would give of ourselves, empty ourselves as we we just hit on, that we would become the servant or the slave of others or of him, that, that we would do what he's called us to do, that we would be obedient in all of these things. We can't be spiritually united if we can't be obedient. Because you know what obedience is? Obedience is humbling ourselves to somebody else you know why we have a hard time in our christian life how about this i'll say this not we i'll say do you know why i have a hard time in my christian life because i don't want to humble myself before an almighty god sometimes i like to think that i'm doing okay and i've done the right thing and my pride gets in the way of stepping down and saying god i need to be obedient to you The same way my kids' pride gets in their way when they want to disobey dad. When they want to smart mouth and talk back. I know you could never imagine a pastor's kid doing that. But I have four of them and they all do. But it's what? It's our pride. It's our pride that gets in the way. And therefore we we cease to be obedient. He says in 7 and 8, But made himself of no reputation, took upon the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. He was born of a woman. He had love and affection by his parents. He grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God in Luke chapter 2. He became hungry. He was thirsty. There was times that he suffered in pain. There was times that he felt sadness, that he became tired and so on and so forth. He was 100% man in the likeness of man that he was. In Hebrews 4, it says he was tempted in all things because he was as in the likeness of men. In Romans 8, that he was in the likeness of sinful flesh. He was subject to a physical death. Because of that. He was in the appearance as a man. Very, very similar to kind of where we just were, but was recognized as a man. He was, uh, in, in likeness, was more of the essence, the nature of a man. And now we look at that he's being in the form of a man. And so he was considered a man. If we go and we were to continue to just kind of go through different things of Christ being in the form and the likeness of man, um, we look at Isaiah, predicted the beating, the punishment, the things that would take place. John 1, 10 and 11 says that he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came unto his own and his own received him not. In his humility and being in the form and likeness, he was obedient. 
he humbled himself and became obedient. Just very similar to what I said earlier is that he became of no reputation. Here, he humbled himself. It would be a good thing for all of us to humble ourselves before we are humbled by other people. Have you ever been there? I have. Where you think you're just doing, man, you're the man, or you're the woman, whatever you would say, I don't know. But things are just awesome, and look how great I am. And then all of a sudden, smack, and you're like, oh. It's humiliating when somebody else has to humble you. He humbled himself. It would be wise, it would be good for all of us to to do that. But in his humility and being in the form and likeness, he was obedient. He allowed himself, as I stated just a few moments ago, to be arrested. He allowed himself to be crucified. He allowed himself to be mocked, to be falsely accused, to be spit upon, to be beaten, to be scourged, to have his beard ripped out. Yet, there was never a defensive act. There was never anything that he would have done. There, there was nothing that he did to snap his fingers, to whistle, to make any motion, to do anything. He humbled himself and was obedient in every one of those things. I don't know if at any point in his time and his thought process there was, oh my word, I can't take this anymore. I don't know. But he never did that. He never did any of those things. He stayed obedient in all things. The father didn't force death, but it was his will. It was the son's will to always and perfectly obey his father. He had a free choice. Had he not, he could not have been obedient. Obedient to death on the cross. Let me go through this, and I'm going to do this quickly. Crucifixion is perhaps the most cruel and excruciating, painful and shameful form of execution ever conceived. I know this isn't Easter. That was a few weeks ago, but let me just read through a couple things to you. Crucifixion in the form of the cross of how it was handled at that time was originally put together by the Persians or the Phoenicians. Later, the Romans perfected it. It was reserved for slaves. It was reserved for the lowest of all criminals, the enemies of the state. No Roman citizen could be crucified. It was to include a painful death that can have of the horrible ghastly or that would give you uh, dizziness. It would create cramps. It would, you would be thirsty. You would be starving. You would be sleepless. You would have traumatic. You would have fever. You would have shame as you were put upon a cross in the middle of, of everybody that walked by. And if you, were to, if you were to go back where it said king of the Jews, that was a slap in the face of Jesus. They put that on there to, to say, because in, in normal, if it was me, my name would have been on that, the top of that placard that would have said Aaron Flanagan. And there it was making fun of him and it said king of the Jews. And everybody that walked by, they would put it in a very, very visible place that all of the town and all the people would walk by and they would walk by and they would see them and they would be shamed, publicly humiliated. It was a long, continual torment. All of that, they would take you to a place, they would beat you to the point just shy of death. 
they would put you and you were made in a, in a, a position that was unnatural. Your veins would be lacerated. Your tendons would be crushed. And with every move and everything that you would do to, to try to lift yourself up, to try to do anything, all of that motion and all of that movement would just send pain all throughout your body. That's what Christ did for me. That's what Christ was obedient to. He came all the way back to verse number five and six. He came in the the form of God. He came of no reputation. He came and, and laid himself and emptied himself of everything that he could so that he could be the slave, so that he could be the servant of all. He gave of himself in every aspect of everything that he did, becoming that servant. And he became obedient even to the death upon that cross. What do I take away? We started with the reputation, emptying ourselves. We came to the place to be a servant, to, to be the slave and to serve, then that we are to be obedient. We are to be those things. We are to give of ourselves. We are to act on these things. But let me share with you this. I know in some regards, maybe this wasn't the sermon you were expecting out of spiritual unity and the example. There is really, there's not another passage of scripture. There there may not be another passage of scripture that is as clear and concise from birth to death as what we're reading this morning. But as we look at this, it comes to a place And he did all of these things, and we come to a place in verse number 9, it says this, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things of earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let me just share with you this. This is where it gets to a point where we don't go, oh my goodness, look what God did. Here's where we, we come to a point of really celebration. And we may not look at that. I don't know how you look at this, but here's what happens. We go through all of those things and we look at it. We become of no reputation. We become the slave or the servant of all. We become obedient even to the point of death is what, what Christ did. Why? So that we gain a perfect position. Last point this morning. We gain a perfect position. You might go, we gain a perfect position? No, he gained a perfect No, we do. Let me share with you. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 says, It was the joy that was set before him that he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Hey, let me tell you this. If there was a day in your life where you came, I I think I've done this more today than I've ever done, where you came 
and you bowed and you emptied yourself and you gave everything at the feet of Jesus, whether it was at an altar, maybe it was at a bed, maybe as it was for three teenage boys at my doorstep this last week, whatever it was where you gave yourself to Jesus and you said, I need a Savior. God, I need you to come into my life. I give you everything. And you, you gave of yourself. Here's what he did. He started something in you, and guess what? He will be the finisher of that thing. Here's what Christ did. Christ came in the form of man and he humbled himself. He emptied himself. He became the slave of all man. He created all things, yet he owned nothing. And he did all of that. And at the end, what was it? God was the finisher of all those things. And he said, at the name of Jesus, every tongue would confess and every knee would bow. He was exalted. He was lifted up. Why? Because he was obedient in all things. And listen, guys, I know that this earth and this life sometimes gets hard and it's frustrating. And we think of all these things. Why me? Why me? Why does this? Why does that? Why does an earthquake have to happen and thousands of people die? I wish I could give every answer and I could make everything make perfect sense to all people. But here's what I know. In 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, Humble yourselves under the, the mighty hand of God that he, what? that he would exalt you at the proper time. Do you know what? There's going to come a time when God's going to say, You know what? Your time is up, and I'm going to put you in the proper and perfect place where you've been called to be. I may never ever, ever be known outside of Oasis Baptist Church as anything other than just a small pastor for a small church in Las Vegas, Nevada. And we may, we may go through horrible things, we may go through great things, whatever it is that God has for us, but here's what I am promised, that one day God is going to say, Aaron, it's your time and it's now. I'm going to lift you up and I'm going to exalt you. Hey, one day, that day is coming. If you've accepted Christ, if you've bowed yourself and you've given yourself and you've became the slave and you've, you've done all the things, you've been as obedient as you can be, you've tried and tried and tried to follow the perfect example that God gave you, he says, one day, I will lift you up. One day, I will exalt you. Hey, that's what we have the hope to live for. That's what we have. Why? Because there's coming a day where I will be in a perfect position beside God. There's coming a day where one day this body will be no more, but I will live in a perfect body. One day I'm not going to have a head cold anymore, and I'm going to have a perfect body. One day I don't have to do another funeral, praise God. But we'll be in glory. And guess what? There won't be one person in this room that says, man, I sure wish I could fight with that guy over the color of the par carpet again. We won't care. You won't care if you didn't make enough money. You don't care if you had the right car or the wrong car. You won't care if your house was too big or too small. You won't think of those things. Why? Because God's there right now preparing a place for you. And he'll come again and receive me unto himself. Guess what? I bet you Christ isn't sitting in heaven going, man, I thought it was hard. I sure wish I'd never had done that. No. Because here's why. He came to honor and glorify his father. Let me tell you something, Murray. 
When you guys went this Monday and seven souls came to know Christ at the rescue mission, when you shared your testimony at the rescue mission, guess what? You can celebrate that the life that you lived in L.A. and those gangs and the fighting and the things that you went through is all worth it because souls came to know Christ. Why? That's why he came. And on Monday night, seven souls accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. And on Monday night, the angels and the choirs sang out and the praises were heard in glory. Why? Because one soul, no, not one, seven souls came to know him. It's worth it. We're never going to look back and go, man, I sure wish I wouldn't have done that. No, we're going to be in glory. I'm not going to think about the hard times that we had. I'm not going to wish I raised another million dollars for the building fund. Nope. Nope. Why? We gain a perfect position. Church, I don't know how else I can cry out, but we need to follow the example of Christ. We need to be humbled as he was humbled. But I'm not perfect. No, we just learned today I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to have left divine perfection to do those things. I can empty myself. I can be the slave or the servant of all. I can be humbled. And I know that one day it'll be worth it all. I know that one day, this wretched body isn't going to hurt no more. This body's not going to be like this no more. I'm not going to have to do another funeral for any of my family members. We're not going to have to have another service in this auditorium because one of our loved ones went home to be with Jesus. No, we'll be there. We'll be praising. Listen, can I, can I beg you this morning? Church, we need to be in spiritual unity because there's more. There's 10 more this week that need to know Christ. We need to be in spiritual unity. Why? Because there's people inside of this room that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Listen, your petty thing that you're worried about, the thing that I upset you about last week, I apologize for, but listen to me, that pettiness isn't worth it. People need to know Christ as Savior. We need to follow the example of Christ. Can I beg you this morning, if you sit in this room, I don't know how more I can present the plan of salvation other than Jesus Christ came. He gave himself for you. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.